afternoon, morning or evening, whichever one finds you at the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Planetverse, another fantastic episode with my co-host Steve. Hi, Steve. Hello, and how are we over there? I'm, I'm rather productive today, and I, I find myself uh, reading a lot and doing a lot and then thinking, hey, hey, it looks like I'm being productive, not just busy. So I thought I'd share some thoughts with you today. Wonderful stuff. It's been uh, a hectic me. day for me. I, you know, I, quick, I can quick see work. that. Yeah, Steve, we're, we are recording. Yeah, I do need your input. <laughs> the way it works is interactive. I say something, you respond in insult. That's that's how we work here. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's been one of those days, folks. Clearly. Where anything that could go wrong did go wrong. And we're only part of the way through the day yet. <laughs> come on, come on. We, but, we, we can get through this one. We can do it. Yeah, we can do it. We can do it. So, yes. One of the things that we've been looking at um, before we came started recording was uh, methods of how to improve your planning productivity. You know, so how you sort of go about planning your day to then um, for that to then lead to improved productivity, one of a better word. Um, and in in sense of you know can you fine tune things you might be already doing quite a few of these obviously um you know there's no originality in quite a lot of these as as always um there's you know you might pick up out of sort of 10 or 15 points that we go through you might pick up one or two that you've not discovered right. before yeah um you might be doing variations on a lot of them because that's the way you work or the way they fit in with your home life work life um, social life etc sort of thing um, and I particularly like sort of trying to relate a lot of these things into either what I've been doing recently um, for one reason or another um, and sort of how we sort of go about sort of making um sort of progress in the sort of you know your sort of everyday life and finding ways to improve um you know your productivity by um you know just changing things in you know in a very small, micro small level. incremental it's, way yeah it's the yeah. micro level stuff here we're talking about that eventually um, will change the macro level if you keep implementing those small changes enough. Mm. And so I, I'd come across this this blog post, which initially I didn't know how to read the title of the blog. I thought it was Planet Izen, and then I was like, No, 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 that can't be Planet Izen. So it's Planetizen. You know how we have <laughs> the planner verse. Those citizens that live on the planetverse <laughs> are planetizens. So, yeah, so... Yeah, well, that a, makes sense, doesn't yeah, it? <laughs> it was planetizen.com. It was a blog um, written by Stephen Snell on, uh, on January 10th, 2018. I'll have Steve link to that directly, where he cleverly mm. tells us he's going to tell us 16 things and go on goes on to tell us 17 of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's that. <laughs> 
that 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 was a, a trick to see if you read all the way down to the bottom. Yes, yes. At, at the end, he should say seventeen. If you've read this far, please call me so I can get you the five dollar prize. <clears throat> but ideally, what what I've seen in in this little little blog post, which isn't life shattering, it's it's run of the mill productivity stuff. I I like Stephen's point of view. I don't agree with some of the things that he says, but that's his opinion, and he's more than welcome to it. I do like the fact that he has reached out to and, and referenced a book called Personal Development for Smart People by Steve Pavlina. And he, he Steve uh, Snell calls this, uh, credit lies in the book, horrendously titled Personal Development for Smart People, uh, because I suppose the alternative is uh, personal development for dumb people too. I suppose you can have both ends of the spectrum there. <laughs> But, is, is is that the sequel? <laughs> <laughs> maybe part one and part two, right? <laughs> um, so so he references this book, but here's what caught my eye. This, this is the stuff that kind of, you know, I see it and I go, ooh, wait, there's something there. Uh, he, he talks about how Pavlina, right? So he's refer- Snell is referencing Pavlina, and Pavlina calls habits memorized solutions. That is, these are tasks that have been pushed into your subconsciousness. And so your conscious brain has figured out how to do something so it saves energy by allocating it to your subconscious. I, that's just remarkable to me. That in and of itself is the entire podcast can be and probably will be dedicated to that statement alone. And so he goes on mm. to say that really forming a habit is your brain's approach to time management. With routine tasks relegated to your subconscious your conscious brain can focus on higher level tasks. Thus, habits equal efficiency. And then he says in parentheses, and I wish people wouldn't parenthesize these things because if you're going to put it in parentheses, that means it's not important. If it's important, take it out of the damn parentheses. That's my opinion. And there it is. The thing that he thinks is not or least important in this, it says, but don't forget, there are bad habits. You can be efficient in your bad habits. Aim to remove the worst ones, which may quite simply require implementing good ones. I agree with that. You can never remove bad Mm. habits. The only thing you can do is replace them with other habits. And so that's what we're going to focus on today. Steve and I are going to piece together three or four of the points that he talked about and how we feel that they might be applicable to what we're trying to get completed in the Plannerverse. Because one of the biggest issues I keep seeing in myself as well, yeah, I'm not separate, I'm not immune to the to the effects of life as they come at me with all that that entails. Uh, I keep seeing the lack of planning or the inability to understand or to wrap one's brain around what is this thing that we're calling planning. It's not just writing tasks down on a sheet of paper and saying, okay, well, I've got my tasks. That's called writing your to-do list, <laughs> right? That's not planning, <laughs> And it's not just writing the appointments where you've got to be, when you've got to be, with whom you've got to meet. That's just called setting up a calendar. So that's, that just gets you to the location, doesn't right. it? Right, right. So we're actually the going right to start time. piecing together the actual planningness of it all, right? And in another episode, I think we are going to, in fact, tackle uh, strategic planning and operational planning and tactical planning. And I know I've got the expert here to help us parse all that out. Um, But for right now, we're going to just talk a reference of planning as planning, just basic planning. And Mm. one of the the points in his 16-17 points that he mentions, Snell mentions, is talking about or or planning, 
identifying peak times. In other words, mm. peak times refers to cycles of your productivity and in your schedule where the most important things can get done in the most efficient manner. I mean, you know, right, Steve, I, when you wake up, there's times when you're very productive and there's times when you're just like, you know what, just everybody leave me alone right now. <laughs> it's time to shut off. There's sort of times in the day when you sort of run on, in my case, um, like running on autopilot almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, where And you want to, if that's the morning, then you literally want to be able to sort of run on autopilot to sort of get yourself up get yourself showered dressed breakfast out the door within a set time limit sort of thing um and that that was me for quite a good proportion of my working life unfortunately <laughs> where i um was literally on autopilot in the mornings and i would sort of eventually sort of come round and start doing productive sort of things. What time was that you know, at? Much later. Not a clue, really. Um, <laughs> it would tend to be sort of from about nine o'clock onwards. Anything before nine o'clock was, um, you know, autopilot, autopilot time. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and little but, really, which is it's strange how you look at it now, but when you stop doing something you know a same routine sort of thing mm -hmm. when you change that routine as i did um that's when you start to recognize um how it did work or didn't work as the case may be um i tend to be more productive later in the day i don't know why that is um but i tend to do a lot more sort of late you know later in the evenings and what have you. that's when i'm sort of more or less awake. The, the downside of that is, is I don't often get to sleep at the sort of recommended times of the day sort of thing. Right. Well, fortunately now, of course, I can sleep later into the into the morning. So I I avoid that sort of dead time when I'm not normally that productive sort of thing. So it it's swings and roundabouts, I suppose. It has, has its benefits of moving it around. But for other people... Um, you know, I don't know how you would recognise when your peak cycle of produ productivity is in the day, be it morning, sort of midday-ish, afternoon. Um, you know, I can only go on my own experience. If you know, if I've had a heavy lunch sort of thing, then you yeah, you sometimes feel like you just want to have a lie down sort of thing, <laughs> have a power nap even. Um, there's no harm in that really, because you then feel boosted after it sort of thing so um you can you know recover um from it in a way and um become more productive because you've had that little break if you like in the day sometimes it's one of these habit forming things of you know for instance what do you do at lunch times do you you know just have a sandwich at your desk do you go away from your desk do you go for a walk or something like right. that Right. Changing those habits can have a big impact on how well you perform later in the day sort of thing. Whereas you you tend to sort of get past your sort of um, peak productivity um, 
way too early in the day if you've not had that solid break in the middle of the day sort of thing. Well, and, uh, and I think Snell's right in talking about peak productivity, but I wish he had tied some of his points together. So we're going to help him along because to me, it seems like some of these points should have actually been written as, as a tied in point. For example, his point number 12 is a, is a suggestion to have a time log, which mm. I think is brilliant. Yeah. So to, to literally write down what you've accomplished every day of every week, and then simply monitor your time to see and reflect on when you are least productive and when you are mm. most productive and lessen the times that you are least productive or incorporate elements of your, of your life that don't require so much quote unquote productivity. Is there something that you can do a little bit on autopilot, for example, that doesn't require you to be at peak times? And so Steve, if you're finding yourself being slightly more productive in the afternoon, then why not push aside those blog posts mm. that need to be written further down in the mm. afternoon so you can maximize the amount of brain power that it takes to to finalize those items. Mm. So uh, it might not um, apply to a lot of people, but in previous jobs that I've done, I always had to account for how much time I'd spent on particular projects. Um, to within sort of the nearest sort of 15 minutes in some cases, which is a bit silly. It's far too small a time. You know, you you generally wind it up to sort of, you know, accounting for sort of a third of a day or a half of a day or, or whatever. Um, but in a way, that was a fairly good discipline um, to sort of get into that habit of recording when you sort of, not necessarily how many hours you spent on a thing, but when you swapped from one project to another, if you just write down what time it was, you know, have a blank piece of paper and just keep it very simple, you soon get to know um, what time you're spending on various projects sort of thing. You know, I, I've previously um, been in a situation where someone would just breeze into the office and start talking to me about their project. <laughs> and of course... <laughs> Yes. You know, 15 minutes, half an hour's disappeared, which I can allocate to their project on my timesheet. But the trouble is, is that if that, if you were doing one only one project that day, um, their sort of 15, 30 minutes interruption extends how long it takes because you've got to get back up to speed again. Like, right. Where was I on this one sort of thing? Now that's, um, and that's sort of almost... Hints like um, trying to get rid of distractions in a way. Um, well, and and that's why I'm such a big fan of the Pomodoro technique. Uh, we've mentioned mm. this a few times, and I'd really like to encourage you all if you have. If this is the first time you're hearing about it. Do a quick search on it. You'll see it's just a quick setting of the timer. It's not a a um, life disrupting event. Um, but the idea is that you are disrupting your concentration at the twenty or twenty five minute mark. And then during that time, however, you are absolutely not disturbed by any kinds of uh, any kind of machinery, any kind of phone calls, any people walking in. If you are, if you happen to be disturbed, then the timer gets reset and you have to start your refocusing at the zero minute mark back to 20 or 25, whichever you prefer. He actually mentions um, his point number four 
Snell's four number four uh, point number four says uh, no com zone, allocating uninterruptible blocks of time for work when you must concentrate. And he says schedule light interruptible tasks for your open communication period. More challenging projects should be contained within your no comms blackout period. Um, it's a bit mm. harsh the no comms. It sounds like we're on some kind of special operations, you know, mission here. It's just planning, guy. Calm down. <laughs> don't be that, so precious. That could be, you know, the sort of thing where you, if you close your office door, it means you don't want to be disturbed. Right. Thing. Right. Or whatever. If if you um, can, but that's why I'm a big fan of of starting to retrain your brain on having spurts of concentration. And so what happens is after the, the timer goes off and you're still in the middle of working on this heavy project, your brain gets in, gets frustrated. And mm. although that's seemingly upsetting because it's just as if someone had walked into your office and has started discussing what they've had for dinner last night as you're about to dive into the special details. And the reason this is important is because you force your brain to stop the thought mid thought and you go out and you have a five minute break. And when you come back in, the brain wants to go back to completing that task that was left so violently disruptive in that state. And you will hit the ground running and you will actually be doubly productive now that you're coming back. And so you can leave a little note to yourself as you're getting up from your desk saying, the last thought I had was X, Y, Z. I want to continue this train, right? And put a period there, leave, come mm. back and set the next timer for 25 minutes. Now your brain's going to try and tackle that in the next 25 minutes. And you're going to see that you can start counting how many little episodes that it take for you to complete. How many timer sets did you have to go mm. through to complete your project versus how many times during the day um, you sat down and you were productive or you were unproductive or being able to see how things work out, whether you're saying your afternoon is a little bit more productive or not. I, I happen to agree with you. I happen to get really productive after 5 p.m. for me. Mm -hmm. um, during the day, it's sort of like, oh, I'll do menial tasks, I'll do housekeeping, I'll do other things. And then after five, it's game on. If you want me to write something, that's the time when things get written. So I find that his point uh, 12 of the time log is uh, it's brilliant. I don't know. We could actually have a separate tab in our planner. Mm -hmm. so it's called time log. And write down, initially, I'm going to forget, I know. But if you just keep setting alarms on user digital devices to help you, uh, you could set the timers to start reminding you that you have to keep a time log. And then he also goes on point 13 that he mentions, though, is um, to estimation to completion. So if you think a project is going to take you 10 minutes to complete, put that in the forecast of the time log and see if you were accurate or not. You know, see if you were able to do, make sure that you were completed by in 10 minutes. Or he says to see if you can push yourself to complete it in half the time. I don't like I don't like that half the time stuff because then you start getting sloppy work. I like the Pomodoro technique because it allows you to come back to it as many times as you need. Yeah. And maybe you do need five iterations of the timer being mm. set for you to be complete. It's not that you're not completing it fast enough. It's it's just that you're not putting enough efficiency into what you're doing. You're being distracted. Mm. So if something takes six hours to complete, don't tell me you're going to do it in three and do a sloppy job. Because that's what happens when people rush, usually. Usually. I don't mm. know how, you know, for... In, in my experience, where you've got, um, where you do a repetitive task or a similar task, mm. 
on a regular basis, you know, once a day or once a week or yeah. whatever, you start to build up some semblance of how long that task takes to do. Yeah. On average, yeah. you you won't get it to precisely, you know, one hour and five minutes. And it always takes one hour and five minutes because, you know, stuff happens. And, you know, in the best will in the world, you can't always um, estimate these things to the best of your ability. But by having this sort of time log idea, it will start to build up some knowledge or experience of, Mm-hmm. how long a particular task takes so you can estimate yourself so can i do that before i need to go out and do something else or say i want to go and watch a tv program or something like that and you can get a pretty good idea whether you can fit that task in or not and i, right. I tend to do that myself with a few things but not every every time i must admit but um it it's a good practice to get into and you could the time log could be done quite simply by just dividing the day up into say half hour slots or something like that right right. and just having a a little marker you know a highlighter pen or something like that just to fill it in and the particular color of pen or whatever you're using represents a particular project or task or something like that so it's it doesn't require you know the minimum amount of writing and it just it just becomes a continuous color block as it were and then you can you've then build in that sort of other checklist yeah of how much stuff are you spending on work and how much you're doing on personal tasks and stuff like that so right. it sort of helps with the sort of work-life balance th- um, thing as well you get some better idea of that as well well, and the idea is that if, if we're assuming that we're all putting our thoughts down the night before, I mean, there are some basic assumptions that have to be made when we're having this conversation, that we are putting some basic thoughts down about how we want the following day to go, move forward. And that when we wake up, we are, in fact, checking our planners to see what's there to do. And because we've already put stuff mm-hmm. down the night before, we've already gotten ourselves to a point where we know what our morning routine looks like. We know mm. if, you've, if you've got a school day, for example, your morning routine's cut in half, whereas if you haven't got a school day, your morning routine can go out for the full hour, for example. And then the way that I, I like the system of the time log that you said, because now it actually starts holding us accountable to the things that mm. we say we're going to do. And, but there's no judgment. So if you say you're going to be writing a blog post and you end up not writing a blog post, but spend the afternoon unsubscribing from emails that are just driving you mad, you've now tracked the time or logged Mm. the time in this time log uh, that tells you where you've spent your time. So if we're looking at the big picture from how we started this conversation in Plannerology and in the Plannerverse from the beginning of the year where we said we wanted to be more productive. And one of the ideas I had suggested was to come up with themes for every month. Mm. Wouldn't it be lovely if next to your time log or on your planning pages that sit blank and you wonder how, what am I going to put here to put a weekly goal, put a daily goal, put a monthly goal and see if you can wrap those goals around the Mm. time log 
and draw conclusions from them at the end of the day, at the end of the week, at the end of the month and say, look, I have spent more time than I should have doing X, Y, and Z whilst I could have been spending time doing A, B, and C for reaching mm. this specific goal. And mm. there, you know, there, it helps there you, you do it. your, yeah, helps you with your sort of daily reviews, weekly reviews as well, doesn't it? If you're using yes. GTD type idea. Yes. So you can actually get to see um, what you're doing. While you've been speaking, I've been thinking you wouldn't necessarily need even to have a time log as a separate page or a separate section mm. even. You might be able to incorporate it very simply into your existing um, diary insert page. Because if you've already got your day split up into, say, four or five chunks or however many yeah. that you normally divide a day up into those divisions could easily um be used to record the different sort of type of tasks or whatever it is you're sort of doing with the actual detail so it could be the categories was. for example that i use to yeah. color code my day yes exactly to begin with. yeah yeah and yeah. that, and that's that's partially why i do the color coding when i do my weekly it's a week on two pages vertical layout mm. that I use. And because I color code the specific categories of my life, I can see mm. how many times, for example, blue shows up in my weekly spread. And if I see that mm. I'm spending too much time on the blue category, and I need to be spending more time on the red category, then I account for that in the weekly wrap up and make a point. It's, it's very much like Ben Franklin's little black book of dots mm. if anybody ever gets the chance to read his autobiography this is why the franklin planner is called the franklin planner if anybody's wondering it's named after benjamin franklin and he had a little system where he would put down little black dots in things that hit him for his vices and and one of the wonderful things is that he would count up his his black dots and he would try and lessen his black dots throughout the following week. So his goal was to have less and less black. I don't like to focus on the negative. That's me. I like to focus on the positive. So I look to see mm. just how I've spent my time and not be judgmental about it. So mm. it's okay if I've done something too much and I didn't want to do that. I just redirect my energy now into building new habits. This is what Snell's talking about. And I'd like to wrap mm. this or bring this back into the initial conversation that we started having, which was, your brain's approach to time management and i'd like to start developing or i'd like to encourage the planner verse to start developing routine tasks that can be relegated to our subconscious so that we mm. can spend the conscious brain focusing on higher level tasks and i have a feeling if mm. we do that we're going to be a lot more productive than we're being right now mm. i sort of like the idea of us using um more of our planners, if you like, to reflect on planning things and yeah. also as a check sum, if you like, on you know the balance between what we planned and what we actually did sort of thing. So sure. we can sort of fine-tune the two approaches, to sort of fine-tune our planning to improve what we're actually doing sort of thing. And it, making it's the our ultimate self-accountability, isn't it? Yeah. 
and to be able to Making open up a book at the end us. of the week or right at the open up the book at the end of the week mm. or month and say here's what i've done here's what i've not done and here's what i'm mm. working on the following week or month there is a level yeah. of um self-awareness and mindfulness and ability to take responsibility for the things in our lives that doesn't come from an outward influence it comes inward and we direct we're the ones who direct the course of our lives and i think using tips like this it's like we said at the beginning it's a micro tip but my goodness if you can nuance this if you could leverage this tip for your life there can be some very large macro scale level changes that can happen one additional thing i would say is if you are changing the way in which you use your planner um to you know change your work style and all the rest of it yeah. Give yourself some time to for for you to learn the new uh, sort of little skills and what have you. But go back in time and look at how you used to use your planner compared to how you use it now. Yes. Maybe it might might be sort of a six month period or or longer, but that will give you some you know hope or you know give you a boost that's the word a better word into how things are have improved if you like um over that sort of period of time and it helps you then sort of right oh that's improved it how can i make it even better sort of thing you can go keep sort of doing this going around this sort of loop every uh, every so often um to sort of relook at and re-examine sort of thing yeah, I, I agree. The, the goal is to have automation nirvana. Well, I used to mm. call this automation nirvana a long time ago. So where you have so many things on your subconscious level functioning that you don't have to mm. think about it anymore. It's like you don't think about having to breathe. You don't think about having to eat. Mm. You know, it's sort of like it happens. Yeah, it doesn't take a lot of effort. Mm. So that's where I like me to be. So as always, we've run out of time. Well, self-inflicted um amount of time i'm sure we could talk for an hour or more on this sort of topic Indeed. because there's lots lots of small things that you can do um that you know brings in new things well i shall definitely link to the the blog post in the in the show notes and what have you so definitely take a look there so as always we ask you that question where can we find you on the interwebs you can find me at threadpunchresumes.com or at threadpunchresumes on Facebook and Planerology as well as Instagram as Kareen Tovmasian. And Steve, where can we find you? You'll find me in the usual place of filofaxi.com. Messing things are up all the time. Um, Traveller's Notebook Times and Mr. Filofaxi on Instagram. And don't forget, folks, if you've enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to like it, subscribe to it, and share it. Mm-hmm.